Well, all right. Uh, hey, everybody. Hopefully you're doing well. And uh, I would say it's good to see you, but the reality is I can't see you, obviously. Uh, it's been an interesting kind of end of the week for our family. Um, we're kind of stuck at home here. Uh, we've had some illness in our home over the last few days. And so here we are. I was joking with somebody uh, a couple weeks ago that, you know, through this pandemic, that amongst all that we've been involved in as things have trickled back, including sports teams and all that, that our family hasn't been affected. And here we are. I just said that a week ago. And here we are stuck at home this weekend. And this kind of unfolded kind of kind of near the end of the week. And we were really tossing up what we should do and felt like this was probably the best thing to do, seeing as this teaching was kind of completed and ready to go for today and just felt like we needed to push through. So I can't see you. Um, we wish, honestly, if you talk to our family, we wish we could be with you, Heather and I. I mean, our whole family, but Heather and I really wish we could be with you. All the parents, if you know what I'm saying, kind of being stuck at home. I'm sure you can probably even hear, You'll at some point you'll hear things in the background or whatever. And this is just the life we live in this kind of new world. But um, we felt like this is the best. So it's good to be with you. I'm here in our living room. And we're just going to continue on a little bit in our teaching series through the letter of Galatians. By the way, I forgot to say my name is Drew if we have not met and would love if we have not met to meet you at some point. Before we jump in, I know we've just read the text, which is beautiful and something we need to do uh, just to kind of have that read over us is so meaningful and important. Uh, a lot of times in our moment in the church, we don't slow down enough to actually read scripture together and how important that is. But before we do that, I just want to make you aware of two quick things before we jump into what we just read. Uh, one is we are now ending the season of Epiphany and on Wednesday, we move into the season of Lent. And most of you know that with that comes this day in the church calendar called Ash Wednesday, a time where we just reflect and we pray and we come around the scriptures and we just take time as a community to reflect in towards the Lenten season. You probably know it as Lent, this journey towards Easter. Um, and Ash Wednesday, a couple years ago, before the pandemic, we packed out the glass room. It was beautiful. We had dinner together. We had a night of worship and prayer. Obviously, last year, because of things that were unfolding, we did this online. And we are this year going to do this online again. And if you or your community wants to get together, this Wednesday at 7 p.m., we're going to have a short, it's probably going to be around a half an hour liturgy with music, reflection, scripture, readings, prayers that kind of get us going for Ash Wednesday and get going for the Lenten season. So if you want to join us, we really encourage you to do that. Uh, it's going to be li a live stream at 7 p.m. on Wednesday, this Wednesday, the March the 2nd. And I just hope you can join us if you have some time. It'd be great for all of us to come around this as we prepare our hearts and lives for Lent and kind of moving in towards Easter. So I want to let you know that. The other thing is we're now going to change, and we'll talk more about this. We're going to switch our spiritual practice from Lectio Divina, which we've been practicing the last number of weeks throughout Epiphany, into fasting. So every Lent we fast together, and we want to begin this corporately. And so what we're hoping is from uh, sundown to sundown, like Wednesday evening to Thursday evenings, we would love to do this together. If that doesn't work for you, that's fine. But basically, we're looking sundown on Wednesdays to sundown on Thursdays as a rhythm 
of, uh, of fasting. And we'll have lots more teaching and some resources for you over the next bunch of weeks on fasting. We've talked a lot about this over the years. I've done whole teachings and podcasts on what fasting is and isn't, what is it meant for, um, what does it do. And so we'll resource you with that. But we're going to start that this week. So Ash Wednesday, hopefully you can join us 7 p.m. Join us as we join in on that online. Maybe you want to join with your communities and uh, maybe have a meal together or do something. Whatever you want to do, we'll leave that up to you. And we're going to begin fasting. Then next Sunday, we enter into the rhythm of communities. And so if you've been around for a while, we've really been trying to get the word out that the first Sunday of every month, we will not be at Goodwill, but spread out and practice communities. And it's going to be great. We're going to have an awesome time next week. We have David Harvey back with us, who's going to lead a, a short teaching and then have, we're going to have some questions to reflect on. Of course, if you don't want to be in a community, that's fine. We want to invite you into that. But if you don't want to be in a community, there will also the exact same thing kind of be a live stream. So a lot of the groups will come around the live stream as kind of the content and the worship for the, that morning. David will be with us. And it's just a great opportunity to kind of not gather everybody together at Goodwill, but get into homes, turn our chairs towards each other, do life together. So we're, we're in on this now, man. This is where we're headed. And so if you want to be in a practice community, the best thing you can do today is find one of the fine people that had a mic this morning and were leading us. Find one of them. Just introduce yourself to them if you don't know them and just speak to them. We will get you in a Praxis community this week as we work towards next weekend. All right. So there's a bit going on. Obviously, we're just super thrilled that we can be together in that environment. So join us next week. And then two weeks from today, we have our annual meeting together. So that's on the March the 13th. We're going to take some time, share some vision with the whole community. And then after our gathering, we'll have a short members meeting for anybody that's uh, participating that way at Praxis. And that will be great. That's a lot. Um, I just hope you just remember all that and join in with us. But right now, let's jump into kind of what we've been engaging around the letter of Galatians. Um, you know, it's in some ways, it's so fascinating when we talk about uh, a guy writing a community a couple thousand years ago, uh, one of the things we've kind of got to the bottom of is instead of kind of over spiritualizing it is looking at the context of what's happening. And there's some very real things happening in Paul, the writer of this letter, who's an apostle and writing to this community of churches in Galatia, kind of in the ancient Mediterranean. And there's a couple things we've learned over the last couple weeks that aren't like earth shattering or mind blowing per se, but are just kind of interesting, uh, unique things that are going on within the community. A couple weeks ago, Paul basically argued that he didn't come from the apostles in Jerusalem, but that his gospel came from God. So he gives us like a little bit of a, uh, not a disassociation, but kind of distancing himself to show the Galatian community, listen, everybody, I had an encounter with Jesus, and this is a revelation from God, this gospel that I pass on to you. It's very, very important that Paul's hearers, the people that would read this letter in church communities would get that. And then last week was just a real drill down on the idea that everything comes by way of faith, not by works of the law. And over and over, Paul is drilling away at this, that the reality is, is that um, the, the, the God accepting humans doesn't come by doing like the Jewish identity markers, but it comes through faith or what we looked at last week 
allegiance or loyalty. So faith is not just something we believe in our head. It's a full body experience and allegiance back. That's what faith or belief is. Think of, um, think of loyalty as kind of the primary word that helps us see that it's kind of reciprocated. We receive and we reciprocate back. And so Paul is geeked up that you and I are made right and accepted into the family of God, this new humanity, this new fam- uh, family through this thing called faith allegiance or or loyalty. And um, what we're going to look at today doesn't veer from that. It's just Paul over and over kind of um, drilling down on this even more and kind of arguing with the community. Because if you know what's going on is there are some teachers uh, that are kind of trying to influence the community that what they have to do, the community has to do, is they have to basically enter into Jewish identity markers. They've got to do things that were kind of caught in the Jewish way of doing things uh, to, to, to be Christians, to follow Jesus. And even the Apostle Peter, we learned, who was eventually came to grips with eating with Gentiles around the table, had kind of fallen back. And some people were sent from James and Jerusalem, some Jewish leaders, and kind of got, their, not, not necessarily like heavy conflict as much as Peter began to pull away from eating around the table with these Gentile Christians in Galatia. And Paul loses his mind because the table is this unifying place. And the thing that Paul is trying to drill over and over, that the gospel is inviting all of us together into community and you don't have to enter into what he would call works of the law. This isn't this isn't necessarily good works. This is like Jewish kosher eating and the circumcision, Sabbath rituals, things like that. Um, Paul really believes that to call people to do those things to be Christian is veering from the way of Jesus. Woo! Deep breath. You with me? I think it makes sense. We've kind of been talking about, kind of feels almost like the same thing for the last few weeks. But Paul's not done, and I think we got to do justice here and give him the floor again and look at what he says in Galatians chapter 3. Similar ideas. We already read it together, but it's interesting. Listen to how Paul begins. You foolish Galatians, he says, who has bewitched you? Hello. Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, when somebody, you know, he, here he calls the, the Galatians foolish. I think if we were to pick that up, we would be insulted. And while uh, a, even a term in the Greco-Roman world, like what we get in English, the term foolish may not make friends, it also wasn't uh, perceived as a personal insult. So maybe if we were to pick that up, we'd be more insulted. That wasn't really the framework. It did catch, I think, the reader's attention in what Paul is trying to communicate. And Paul is upset because in many ways, they were illogical in committing themselves to the Pauline message of God's grace in Christ. And they were accepting that, but then also they were succumbing to the false teachers or the Judaizers, um, Moses gospel of the law, if that makes sense. And so Paul, this is why he's like, yo, yo, you foolish Galatians, like you've entered into this and now you're kind of falling prey to these particular uh, types of teachers. And so again, we're keeping that before us. And again, here in verse one, Paul ultimately points to Christ crucified. This is what he does over and over. He says, before your very eyes, Jesus was clearly portrayed as crucified, this upside down 
um, way in which God came to humanity in giving of himself and bearing a cross for us is so upside down. John Stott, the great thinker, he said this, there is then, there, there is then, it, it, uh, there is then, it is safe to say, no Christianity without the cross. If the cross is not central to our religion, ours is not the religion of Jesus. So Paul opens up with pretty strong language. You foolish one, you're falling back into this trap that you've got to enter into these types of uh, works of the law to become a Christian. Then he goes on, and basically in verse 2, he very much then begins to appeal to the Galatians' experience. And I think this is so important when we think about just the practical nature in which Paul is coming at this. He has a couple questions for the community just to remind them that it's through faith, not works of the law, that were made right or accepted. He asks a couple questions. Just think about these questions with me, okay? I love how he approaches this. First question is this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? All right, so how, how did you receive the Spirit? By works of the law or by believing the good news of the kingdom? How, how, how did you experience this? Just put it on the table. I mean, we could think about this a couple thousand years later. How did you experience the Spirit of Jesus in your life? Was it through doing things or climbing a ladder or trying to get somewhere? Or was it through believing what somebody had passed on to you? embodying, coming to allegiance in Jesus through uh, this good news of the kingdom. Then Paul asks this, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by works of the law or by you believing what you heard? Again, right here. I mean, this is easily, we could pick this up a couple thousand years later. How did you and I receive the spirit? and see these miracles uh, in our lives at play? Was it through works of the law or trying to do stuff or kind of climb a ladder or was it by believing in what you heard? And obviously, right here before us, it's just to show us, listen, we receive this by hearing and we come to faith and allegiance not by what we do or trying to like get into something. I know I hear a lot in the Western kind of thought, like trying to get to heaven or whatever, whatever that means. No, we simply respond in allegiance and faith to the message that we heard. Uh, One New Testament scholar puts it like this, for Paul, receiving the spirit is the identifying character of the Christian. To be a Christian is to be indwelt by the Spirit, and to be indwelt by the Spirit is to be a Christian. The Spirit of God is the definition of the Christian. And because of that, because of the Spirit's work and the indwelling of the Spirit and some a follower of Jesus' life, this is what it means to be Christian. This is kind of the marker that Paul gives when he contrasts the work of the law and hearing the message of the good news. That it's simply through faith. Over and over, you're you're probably thinking like, man, have we not been talking about this for like three or four weeks straight? The answer is yes. And it's because one of the things we have to do is to drill into us in our attempts to try and make things right for ourselves. That is, it is simply through allegiance or loyalty, again, faith or belief that we enter into the kingdom of God. So the question here is, as Paul poses these questions, is what did they experience? Well, they received, they experienced receiving 
the kingdom, receiving this good news of Jesus and the receiving of the Spirit through faith, through faith before us over and over. You're like, don't you have something new for us? Well, I'm just here to tell you this is what Paul does, just continually kind of going back to this. New Testament scholar Scott McKnight says it like this. He says, it's important for local churches to provide opportunities for Christians to stand before their brothers and sisters and recount their experiences with God, especially their conversion experiences. He goes on, personal storytelling is not a kindergarten exercise, but is the very structure of our life. For if we have no story, we have no life. Knowing the experience of others may help us to understand them, to pray for them, and to instruct them. And this is what Paul is doing here. He's going back to the experience of the community and asking some simple questions. What did you experience? Well, here's what we experienced, Brother Paul. We experienced the indwelling of the Spirit through just trusting in Jesus, not jumping through hoops. Let's just remind us. And Paul is building on this. And I do agree with McKnight that there is something powerful about a story, right? You go to the shelves right now of bookstores and you look and a lot of the major book, uh, just the, the most prominent books right now, if you actually look, are either memoirs or biographies. And I don't think that's a mistake. I mean, we've seen this the last couple of decades through reality television and documentaries, which are kind of coming on and storm and on platforms like Netflix and whatnot. We're captivated by stories. We're captivated by seeing real life experiences that resonate with us. And I think what Paul is doing here is beyond theology, which theology is obviously important, is tapping into the experiences that they had for the community to see actually how this is fleshed out. The false teachers are coming in, trying to get the, you know, the, these Gentile, non-Jewish Christians to do certain things. And Paul just wants to remind them, yo, you receive the Spirit by faith. That these stories and experiences that we conjure up and that we tell, it's so important because they actually animate our imagination. I see this a lot with my kids, and you'll think this is totally lame, but I'm just so fascinated how I can try and download information on my children, and yet what they remember is stories and me kind of kind of giving them kind of insights or metaphors or illustrations as, wa- as ways to make things kind of concrete for their lives. So um, we have a child in our home. He will re- remain nameless, but he is six who has a hard time getting out the door in the morning. Um, And so I drive my kids to school in the morning before heading to work. And um, I I just noticed that one of the ways to kind of get them in the car fast is I will begin to tell stories, right? And I tell stories of things that happened in my childhood. Or I sometimes, just to be honest with you, I make stories up as a way to kind of capture their uh, imagination and kind of draw them in. I'll tell stories from my childhood and things that happened to me and kind of funny things and funny experiences as a way to draw them in. And I don't think it's any mistake that Paul does this here. Hey, remember that you received Christ through faith and you receive the indwelling of the Spirit through faith, not having to do things or um, be this type of person, but that Jesus the King is inviting all of us and the way we experience the Spirit is by trusting in Him. It's as simple as that. 
And I think we need to be, we need to reimagine what, and I think we talked about this in week one of the series, we need to reimagine actually what our story or what our testimony actually does, that our experience actually matters. Certainly theology is important, but how you and I experience the kingdom needs to be fleshed out. And we're going to give opportunity next week to do this in community. It's not by accident. We're doing these things intentionally because your story matters. And just fascinating how Paul goes back to that to give a signpost for them that you receive the spirit through faith. All right, deep breath, okay? Uh, and if you want to join us for story time, uh, the, the, the Fest bus leaves at 8.50 on, uh, on every morning if you just want to join in because it's just amazing. and It's earth-shattering, mind-blowing stories that I have up my sleeve. Anyways, the rest of the text, we're going to land here. The rest of the text basically looks at this and what we kind of have already read, that this kind of acceptance by God solely on the basis of faith So this idea that Paul is kind of forming, that we are accepted by God on the basis of faith, is not something new. And this is what Paul does. You probably heard when we read the text, language around Abraham and the story in the Old Testament, and that's intentional. Because Paul wants us to see, oh, what we're talking about when we talk about being justified by faith is as old as Father Abraham, brothers and sisters, that this story is dialed into something from long, long ago. I'm going to read it again. I know we already read it. Verse 7. Understand then, Paul says, that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Which would have been like, what? Right? When you think about the context of the Jewish world and, um, you know, very much uh, kind of the Jewish understanding is that they were God's people, right? But Paul's saying those who have faith, those who have allegiance in Jesus are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. Crazy. And this is what it was. All nations will be blessed through you. Remember this promise from God? Paul goes on. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So what Paul wants us to do here is just think about Abraham as an example. And one question we have to ask, just in this whole faith and works of the law deal, especially circumcision, this is kind of what it's around, is ask one question. Think with me. You may be new to the Bible and just hanging with us, but for some of you that have been around a while, think with me. Was Abraham pronounced as acceptable to God before or after his circumcision? Asking this question will help us, right? Was Abraham pronounced as acceptable before God to God before or after his circumcision? And if you know the story well in Genesis 15 and 16 and 17, if you know this, that Abraham was actually accepted by God before his circumcision. And so what Paul is trying to do here is get us to see, and I know this may not feel like it means as much for us a couple thousand years later. But you got to think all that's going on with some of the polluted teaching and some of the pressure that the people in these churches in Galatia are facing. The idea is that the Gentiles, Paul wants everybody to know, are accepted by God on the same basis as the Jews, just as old as Abraham and the story of Abraham. That Gentiles are accepted by God on the same basis as the Jews. And faith, this idea of faith, which we unpacked last week, is the foundation in which all humans construct their relationship to God. 
I mean, Paul actually, if you read the text, takes it further and he actually notes that when the law of Moses, so the Old Testament law, when it governs a person's life, it brings a curse rather than acceptance with God. Now think about this as Jewish people trying to come, kind of Jewish teachers trying to come in and kind of shift the thinking within the church to hear what Paul is saying is really contradictory to what, they're, that what they want to see kind of happen. Paul's vision is that the curse of the law fell on Jesus so others might escape it. That we no longer live by the law, but we've been, you know, we talk about this. We have been set free. Actually, probably a better picture or a way of describing it is that Christ, Jesus, the Messiah, is the end of the law. That Jesus, really, the picture we get is the climax of the law. Brothers and sisters, for the first century people, especially the Gentiles here, who felt like there was this pressure to do stuff, there comes now this freedom that we're going to talk about more, where we have been set free, that Jesus actually fulfills the law, that he embodied it, and he is the climax. He is kind of the end of Israel's story. And so this is changing everything because no longer does the church kind of have to be influenced by these Judaizers or false teachers or whatever you want to call them. But Paul is continually calling the church back. And I can even ha- I even have Peter in mind in their disagreement that everybody's drawn to the table. Everybody's brought in through this thing called faith. It's simple. It's light. The, the arm and the extension of God into his community and into his kingdom is through faith in Jesus. How good. This is why we call this the good news. Now, one thing as we kind of land the plane here, one thing we can't escape is just how even Paul says here that, you know, it was announced that the gospel in advance to Abraham, that all nations will be blessed through you. It's funny that Paul goes back to this and he says that this was the gospel in advance to Abraham. Fascinating that it's tied to this message that was on Abraham that his people would be would be a blessing to the nations in reality. That in the Old Testament, as God called Abraham out, his follower, like the people that would follow him in his family, would be a blessing to the nations. And what's fascinating is Paul actually sees this as like, almost like a proto-euangelion, like this pre, before, uh, again, the language here in the New Testament is the gospel in, in advance to Abraham. That the gospel is not just about uh, what Jesus did through death, burial, and resurrection. That's the center of it. But Paul is convinced here that Israel being a blessing to the nations was part of this good news. And I don't think we can escape the fact that when we talk about being justified by faith and all that Paul is hammering away at over and over, that there is this call, I think, on the church that all the nations would be blessed through us. That this is part of what it means to come into God's family in faith. So the question is, you know, right now in our moment, I know there's lots of um, people and rightfully so kind of hammering away at evangelicalism and in some ways rightfully so. I think especially people in our community, I think have come to grips with we've seen a lot in the church, right? And there's probably some justification for doing that. But when we hear something like that, all the nations will be blessed through you. 
is this true of us? I, I think this is actually where the rubber hits the road for us. Is this actually true of the new humanity, this new family? Is this true of Praxis Church and what we're part of and what we're doing? Or do we put the weight of the works of the law on people? Now, I've joked a lot, I know, and I know it just can feel redundant. Obviously, we're not asking people to be circumcised or enter into like kosher eating. But I think it's easy to have our own kind of set of thinking around what it means for somebody to come in and follow God. And do we put things, our own maybe works of the law, in the way? Maybe we need this kind of time and this amount of time in the letter where Paul is hammering away on what feels like the same thing over and over so that it reminds us that we're accepted by faith. And I think what Paul would say for us is, in your mind's eye, see that person that seems farthest away from the kingdom of God. You know that person? Maybe it's at your work or your school or whatever. Maybe it's a neighbor. Think of that person that seems as far away from any sort of relationship with God or or any sort of repentance and faith. And Paul, I think, would say, that was me. And I entered into a life of following God because I'm accepted by faith, not by what I do. And Paul would even pull out his credentials and talk about Gamaliel and being in the Sanhedrin and all that his life embodied. And yet it's distilled now down and you can go all the way back to Father Abraham to see that it it is by faith, by allegiance. And so you may be thinking, man, we talked a lot about this. I, I think it needs its time to continually remind us. And I think this is what Paul is doing. And I think we need to think hard as a community of people. Are we, just like Abraham's family was called out to be a blessing to the nations, this same type of call is now for those of us that have been accepted by faith and brought into the family. Are we a blessing to the nations around us? It is by faith. The marker is, hey, how did you receive the Spirit? By works of the law or by faith? It's by faith. And so we're going to hand it back in a minute here. But as we come to the tables, may we just be reminded again that God's invitation through Jesus is out. And it's actually way more simple than you could think or imagine. Jesus wants you, your life, your loyalty, your trust. He put his love on display by coming to us. And now he just wants us to enter into his kingdom. And it's not about jumping through hoops or doing all the right things or even clicking all kind of like the right checkbox. There's no, there's no checkboxes here. It's just simply an invitation to trust Jesus with our lives. And so that's what we do. When we come to the table, it's a reminder for us that Jesus put his life on display for us, gave his life for us, and he invites us to eat and drink with him. And brothers and sisters, I know we're not, I'm not in the same room with y'all today, but this is what he's called us to do. And my hope in the next couple minutes is that we would come to the table in faith, in loyalty. We would give our loyalty. We would give our trust over to King Jesus.